Have you ever gone to bed thinking about something, wondering what to do, how to solve a problem, and then suddenly, in the early hours, usually the very early hours, you wake up with a jolt and you have your—I can't say it—a <laughs> eureka moment. Clarity dawns as the day dawns. Early last week, I went to bed, my mind in a muddle, and I had been pondering about today's sermon especially the theme and the title. And around 2am, my eyes flew open, I sat up and I had the title and consequently the theme, the okay in holiness. So let me give you a brief insight into my musings of my mind in those early hours, musings I had with God. But I'm speaking on the fiery furnace not in holiness, the okay in holiness. Okay, it's holiness then. But what has okay got to do with holiness? Holiness surely is anything but just okay. I'll come back to that one. Okay, holiness it is. But what about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? What about them? Well, that's also a story about God, isn't it? Okay, holiness it is. Fiery furnace it is. But what about the okay? The okay in holiness. Let me explain it like this. My husband Jim and I have two sons. They're young men now in their early 20s. But I remember when they were tiny and I asked them to help me tidy away their toys. They would come running with a smile on their face and they would go, Okay, mommy. They would come running, a smile on their face, and they would say, Okay, mommy. Fast forward a few years. Please tidy your room. Okay, I heard you the first time. Please help me with the dishes. I'm busy. Dishes. Okay. Usually accompanied by an eye roll, a gritting of the teeth, a stomp of the foot. Does that strike a chord with anyone? The okay in holiness is, of course, obedience. Or as Charles Spurgeon puts it, holiness is persevering obedience. And just a thought to set the cogs in motion. How does your okay to God sign to him? How does it ring in your ears as you say it? Usually when either of my boys give me an okay that displeased me, Joel especially would say that I made that face, whatever that face would be. And a quick apology usually followed Do we need to apologize to God this morning for the manner in which we respond to his call to holiness in our lives? As we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, But now you, as a believer, must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, You must be holy. Because I am holy. 
One of the wonderful things about God is that when he asks, he gives the means. His purposes, his way. Because let's face it, holiness is never something that we can attain in our own strength. Because holiness is God-given. Holiness has been won for us by Jesus and will be perfected in us by the Holy Spirit. But back to those three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What do we know about them? Well, we know that they were young Hebrew men of the tribe of Judah, who along with Daniel and some others were forced into exile in Babylon and made to serve in the king's palace. And here they were given those new names. As Daniel found favor with the king, he rose through the palace ranks, and so did his friends, elevated to positions of authority. But most importantly, we know that they were faithful servants of Almighty God. And in their exile, they continued to worship only him. But what about their okay to God? How did their lives reflect an essential part of what it means to be holy? How were they obedient? Their okay to God showed in how they lived. They lived doing God's will, trusting God's will, and accepting God's will. If you and I are to grow in holiness, these are things we need to make part of our daily walk with Christ. Doing God's will. The three young men find themselves exiled, far from family and friends in an alien land, in a society and culture very different from that which they had known. They were not free to live as they chose, but they were to serve the king as he saw fit. They were to live in obedience to God's commands whilst carrying out their duties to the king, but in a manner which honoured God. As Christians, we live in a world that is not our home. We are, if you like, aliens in a strange land. In a world that has made idols of many things, things like money, fame, success, achievements, status, celebrity. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are to remember God's commands. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Nothing and no one should take the place of God in the life of a believer. So what was God's will for these three young men? To remember their commitment to him as Hebrews. To worship and adore only him. And whilst in exile to continue as their ancestors had done and as their law defined, they were to be obedient to God's call on their lives because he had set them apart and they were to behave accordingly. They were to worship only him.
King Nebuchadnezzar, in a fit of self-promotion, in an attempt to elevate his own position, to give himself a godlike status, to show off his great wealth and his power, made an image of gold. It was unlikely that he made it with his own fair hands, more likely that he commanded others to build it. A golden statue, huge in stature. And then he orders that all nations over which he is king come and bow down and worship this statue. And they are to do so at a time that he commands. By the sounding of the horn and the harp, every kind of music. And so this edict goes out. The leaders of the nations come and the law is set. Now this presents a problem to those young men. They are committed to serving God, to worshipping only him, to worship anything else or anyone else would mean breaking God's commandments. No other gods, no graven images. So what do they do and how do they exemplify for us the okay in holiness? In spite of the new law of the land, in spite of what everything, what everyone else was doing around them, in spite of those terrible consequences of not doing as the earthly king commanded, they pulled back their shoulders, took a deep breath and said, Okay, God, we're with you. You alone are our God. They turned from all that was going on around them and they set their gaze firmly on God. They got on their knees and they prayed. And when the harp and the horn and the other instruments sounded, they went about their business as usual. They did not bow down to this graven image because they trusted in God's will. Three men dutifully going about their work, giving of their very best, honouring God as they served. The fact that they were continuing only to worship him did not go unnoticed. So what does this tell us? It tells us that in spite of the terrible risks to themselves, to their very lives, they did not try to hide Such courage and boldness is a mark of holiness. Because their okay to God was not a quiet, let's keep ourselves under the radar. Let's go quietly about our work and not draw attention to ourselves. Rather, their okay was bold and confident. This is your will, God, and we know we can trust you to protect us. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego trusted God. They look back perhaps on the history of their people and they look to God's word and there they saw time and again how God had guided and protected. Psalm 33, for the word of God is right and true and he is faithful in all he does. 
And I wonder, did the word of God as revealed to Isaiah give them strength to trust? When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. They're okay to God. Their obedience was wholehearted. Even when the king gave them another chance to do as he commanded. When for many of us, self-preservation would likely kick in. They stood firm. They committed their lives to God afresh and their actions spoke of it. And their words too. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able. When believers grow in holiness, with Christ at our centre, When he is the focus of our worship and our very lives, the devil, like Nebuchadnezzar, gets angry and he seeks ways to shake our ground. Those young men standing in front of that furnace could feel the heat of the fire, which was as hot as it could possibly be. And they did not waver because they trusted God. Is there a fire raging in your life? Something which threatens to shake your resolve, your foundations, even your trust in God. Say to yourself those words, My God, whom I serve, is able. He is able to protect and to deliver. He is able to sustain and provide. And he is able to turn around any situation for his purpose and his glory. Our God is able. For our God is great. He is majestic, holy, pure and powerful. Our God is holy. They stood before the fire. Their okay to God reaffirmed and they surrendered themselves not to the king, but to the king who held their lives in the palm of his hand, who tenderly caressed and protected each one. For the God in whom they trusted, his love was greater than Nebuchadnezzar's anger. Because these three men, facing the heat of the furnace, accepted God's will. Our God, whom we serve, is able. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Jesus knelt in Gethsemane. Before him a cross a symbol of wickedness and of evil. Before him lay pain and suffering, separation from his father. The one who was without sin faced a sin-filled death, your sin and mine. And he said, Father, 
If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The God whom Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego served was able. The Father God whom Jesus lived to obey was able. The Christ whom you and I as believers follow is able. God's will is not always what we would want or even expect. And yet if we are seeking to grow in holiness, to shout out our okay, to live in obedience, we need to surrender to his will. To quote Frederick Faber, holiness is an unselfing of ourselves. Those young men, I'm sure, would not have wanted to die in such a horrible way. But they accepted that if it was God's will, if he had a greater purpose than their human eyes could see or their hearts and minds comprehend, then they were okay with that. His will became their will. Christ rose from his time of agonized prayer to walk the path to the cross and in his death to live out the perfect will of God. Christ's will was that of his father. Chip Ingram, in his book, God Has He Longs for You to See Him, writes, God will not compromise his holiness, but through Christ he satisfied it. He allowed his son to be covered with our sin, and then he covered our sin with sacrificial blood. Also, you and I, though unholy, could be capable of having a relationship with a holy God. Three young men walked in faithful obedience and were thrown into a fire. But they were not alone. The king looked and he saw not three, but four. Unbound, walking in the midst of the flames, unhurt. The appearance of the fourth like a son of the gods. But this was not just any God. This was the only true God who had sent another to walk with his faithful children in the heat of the fire, to free them from their ropes and to cover them in his protection. They walked free and unhurt from that fire and in doing so they proclaimed the holiness of God. For it was only God who could deliver them, completely unharmed and untarnished by Nebuchadnezzar's sin. For God had claimed that fiery furnace, and it became holy ground where his power would be seen. Their resounding okay to live as God commanded, for us that life of holiness had an impact Not one person surely standing around that day and all those who have read or heard this account since could fail to wonder at the power of Almighty God. Not even Nebuchadnezzar. However, unlike him, will you shout out your okay today to the one true God who sent his son to die and rise again? To set you free from the power of sin, 
Shout out to the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us to fulfill in us God's will. His command that all who follow be holy as he is holy. God has claimed your life as his own. He has made it holy ground, a place where his glory will be seen. And as we come now to join together in communion, may we give wholeheartedly that okay to our Lord as we accept this truth. If we desire to be holy, we must first recognize our sinfulness. Helen Rosevear writes, The brilliant purity of Christ's holiness shows up the shoddy impurity of our daily lives, just as the sun reveals the dirt that the shadows have hidden. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, let us not live our lives in the shadows, but in the light of Christ. And may we rejoice together in the words of Second Corinthians. Christ's life was poured out in that great sacrifice in order that you and I might exchange our sinfulness for his holiness. <laughs>